Welcome to the Knock Soccer Podcast, where we tell the soccer stories of our favorite big town little city, Knoxville, Tennessee. This match recap episode is bittersweet. We lost our last match of the regular season, but we are hosting conference playoffs in Knoxville. We have Drew McKenna on to reflect over the season and share the playoff news and details. Then team captain James Thomas and head coach Mark McKeever on how the match went, how we are preparing for playoffs, and what they thought about the regular season as a whole. But before we get into the interviews we have lined up for you, we at the Knock Soccer Podcast want to make sure you have the best of the best soccer pod t-shirt. Our very own Stranger Things Hellbender SC shirt. It's our own Hellfire Club of the Stranger Things, so be sure to grab one. First link in the show notes. There are only six more days to order one, and we need 14 more shirts to get it printed. All proceeds will go to us making more awesome local soccer content. So support the pod by repping the Hellbender. All right, on to the soccer. All right, I have Drew McKenna here. Drew, you and the ownership have invested a lot in the team success. 13 uh, games in with only a loss and a draw. You've claimed uh, club's first division championship. What does it feel to come out of that in the fruition of the first season? It's been a blast. I've, the, the biggest reward has been how the communities embraced us and kind of made us their own, which was that was our hope. Uh, that's why we named the club what we did. And so to see it every game has been really, really special, but job's not done. There was a big push to establish a club as a part of the community, which you alluded to. You brought people in over Zoom calls. You organized big events. You made people feel like they're part every step, announcing over a year and a half ago that Knox would get a pro soccer team. We've seen thousands of fans show up over the past six home matches. Would you say that this has been a success? I mean, a huge success. It's been it's been awesome. It, it, sometimes we need to sit down and, and remind ourselves it's been a success. But I think importantly, it's something we talk about internally, and I hope all of our supporters and our fans feel this way. This is just the start. Like, this is not the end state of one Knoxville. This is the start, and we want to improve in every way internally, and we hope that that improvement leads to external growth as well. You brought in the best coach in the league, nine players from the last year's championship team, some others from the best colleges and amateur players in the country. The ownership uh, were ambitious, the team was ambitious, and now you're making good on it. From the perspective of all those involved behind the scene, what's the journey been like? It's been wild. There was a cool moment on Saturday. Everyone had basically left except for a few of us, and a couple of the partners, Nadim and Kevin, were on their way out, and I was still inside in the field, and they were doing the now famous uh, one Knoxville chant with Seba with the water cooler. And we just started talking, we're like, we remember when that was one of the four finalists and final names and like the process of going through the crest. And now it's like a thing. It's not just on paper. It's a thing. And it's, it seems uh, like it belongs and it, people have ownership in it, not us, but the community has ownership in it. And that's been so rewarding. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're grateful for, for all of it and we're grateful for all the support. Uh, but again, this is. This is year one of, of, a, of a many, many, many year process. Now we've heard rumors about USL1 for months now when we're all first announced the club. Uh, that very first scarf on the website URL was Knox Pro Soccer. Regardless of what happens in the playoff rounds, Knoxville will go down as one of the best teams in USL2. Can you give us any inclinations of what comes next for the club? Um, people always ask if we win USL2, do we get promoted? And I wish that was the case. <laughs> that would be incredible. Uh, maybe one day. But yeah, I mean, we've said from the start, um, our desire to bring pro soccer to Knoxville. Uh, that's still our primary desire. We're working hard towards it. Nothing to report at the moment, but stay tuned. <laughs> we have officially made playoff spots and now we, we are South Central division champs. How does the playoffs and this playoff schedule look for us? We are uh, playoff hosts. So uh, the way it works is there's 115 teams across the country, 32 make the playoffs. 
Those 32 split into pods of four. So there's eight locations. There's a, and Knoxville is one of them. So the Knoxville Regional will be hosted at West High School. There'll be two games played on the 22nd. We'll obviously be in one of them. Then the, that's a Friday. The winners then play on Sunday. So we're so pumped about this because it's just another opportunity for us to broaden our scope and get people in Knoxville excited. And, and obviously we've had a great, you know, a couple thousand folks have been out to all our games and we're so grateful for that support. We're planning on them being there with us on the 22nd and hopefully the 24th. But we want this to be something that spans across Knoxville. We're in the playoffs now. We're on the hunt for a national championship. Knoxville loves a win. Winner, and that's what we're going after. So, you know, last thing I'd say is Brian and Patty, you guys talk about the Black Mamba a lot. I love the original Black Mamba. Kobe's my guy. And if you guys know the the famous Jobs Not Finished, I'm going to be sending that to everybody in the club. Jobs Not Finished. <laughs> Job uh, not finished. What sort of be happy about Jobs Not Finished? So, <laughs> so we're pumped up about it. This is totally 100% not a business thing. It, it's purely sporting. We're, we were built to win. We were built to score. We brought Mark in for a reason. And so to get to host in this pivotal first two rounds of the playoffs. We're so pumped about it. Job's not finished, ready to roll. Oh man, so exciting. Thanks, you appreciate it. Before we dive into the match and hear from the gaffer and James, let's take a short break. Markman's is a proud sponsor of the Knox Soccer Podcast and One Knoxville SC, located at 6932 Kingston Pike, Markman's has been Knoxville's choice for fine diamonds and jewelry since 1976. Visit MarkmanDiamonds.com. Thanks so much, Markman's. Also, Nothing Too Fancy is a proud sponsor of the Knox Soccer Podcast. Locally owned and operated t-shirt boutique, Nothing Too Fancy is located in downtown Knoxville, just off of Market Square. Not only are the shirts designed and printed right here in town, but they use the best quality apparel and inks that are both super soft and good for the environment. They've got a promo code for us, Knox Soccer Pod, all caps, no spaces. You can use that online or in person for 10% off of your total purchase. Our shout out for this episode is a five-star review from Apple Podcasts from Mark MTN, who said, community builders and great people, Brian and Patrick are doing the work to bring together and drive conversation around soccer in Knoxville and making sure we all have a blast along the way. My son and I love to listen together to keep up to date with all things footy around town. Highly recommend. Thanks so much, Mark and son. That was the hope for these two crazy soccer guys, and we're glad it's doing just that. All right, back to Brian, who spoke to James and Coach McKeever. So I got club captain James E. Thomas here the night after the East Atlanta match, which played until I think I clocked it at 12.06 a.m. is when the match officially ended. I'm sure you were there at the field and in the locker rooms much longer. We'll talk through the match uh, itself, but Jamesy, how are things feeling this morning for you, for the players that you've run into um, so far? Uh, what's the feeling around around the side? Yeah, I mean, it, it hurts. You know, we go into every game um, expecting to win and wanting to win. Um, so when it doesn't quite your go, go your way, which it does in football sometimes, it does hurt and it does sting. Um, so yeah, moods, moods, not too great in the camp. Um, a lot of questions being asked, you know, wh why did it happen? What could we have done better? What can we learn from it? Stuff like that. So, uh, those conversations are happening. I've had one already this morning, um, you know, with, with Danny Fernandez about, you know, the group and, and, you know, why it happened and, and what we could do to learn from it. So, um, it does hurt. It always hurts after a loss, especially when you're on a team that's got such lofty expectations and, and the ambition that this club has and, and the people we've got fighting for us. 
it's a bit frustrating to not be able to reward that on the field. Um, you know, especially like for the fans as well. We had fans that stayed out there for about four hours after uh, after it got delayed. You know, in the in the the rain and you know in the cold weather and stuff and. To not be able to reciprocate that for those bands, that's what stings the most, especially for me. So, but you know, you, you can't let these things set in. You've got to let it let it sting for a little bit, um, and then you need to wash it off, take your lessons that you can from it, um, and then it's a case of moving on because what's ahead of us is absolutely huge, especially for this club, for this group of players. Um, so we need to we need to be able to lick our wounds, learn from it, and then definitely move on. Last night, going into that match, it was the last one of the regular season, and one Knoxville had already been crowned South Central champion. So regardless of the result, the trophy was still coming to Knoxville. Playoffs had been clinched. To some people, it may have seemed like there was nothing to play before. Like there was nothing to play for, particularly against the bottom club in the division, who had only won once prior all season. You were rested. Finn McGraw, the only other player who he's seen wear the captain's armband this season, uh, he was rested as well. You may not have been on the field, but you were right up against it. In the second half, when I was there among those 30 or 40 fans who remained, uh, we could hear your voice rising above the sound of the rain and the ball and the players on the field. You were shouting encouragement. You were saying, it's coming, it's coming, and in the end it didn't. Uh, I'm curious. I saw you before the game started in the huddle with the team. It was pretty unique. We saw all the players that were not dressed right there on like a second bench just before, uh, just behind um, the first group of players. What did you say leading the talk last night? What did you tell the players before going out there? So I think I started off just by saying that we've had a fantastic journey this regular season, um, but we've still got one more game. We've still got one more win to get, um, and we need to give it the respect it deserves. Um, and unfortunately, we didn't do that. But, you know, just kind of reiterating that our stamp is how hard we work, um, how hard we want to press um, and nothing has to change tonight. And, you know, I actually think that we started the game quite well. You know, we've had the chances, especially in the first 20, 25 minutes. There's been a couple of chances in there that, that if we take, we go on to win that game three, four, five, nothing, you know. Um, but ultimately, the goal didn't come. Um, which is frustrating. The other team nicks a goal and then that changes the whole dynamic of the game. But I'm just trying to push these boys forward in the best way possible. I felt like um, that was the best way I could I could help the team was having that little chat before the game. But ultimately, it comes down to the quality in between the white lines and that's what we needed. And um, we just, just fell a little bit short of that, I think, um, in front of goal, which I think we'd all agree with. Now, listen, it, it, it's about the group. Um, you know, it, it doesn't, doesn't come down to one player missing a chance, this or that. It, it comes down to not only the 11, um, not only the 18, but all all 30 of us that are here in training. Um, so, um, yeah, we definitely all take that on the chin. So, like you said, a soccer match, uh, the story isn't told in the result. Um, it's a story mm -hmm. told in 90 minutes. And I was up in the commentary booth for the first half. Um, there were several chances. Zion Andrade had a chance. Both the Afrifa brothers each had chances. The game could have been totally different. And even for East Atlanta, which uh, missed an opportunity after a mistake on, on the defensive end, it, it could have mm -hmm. been a game that ended 5-2 or 2-2 or 6-1. It, 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 <laughs> it was a wild game, particularly in the second half when it looked like some of those matches that we've played in before, that we've all seen before, where you're pummeling 
the defense. You're sending in every single cross. You've got a dozen corner kicks, and the ball just won't find the back of the net. Whether it's the goalkeeper, McMullen, who had a great night, or, or the defense, um, the, the ball just wouldn't go in. Mm-hmm. Um, what were the specific things that you looked at, uh, being both a captain and, and a coach yourself? What were the things that you were seeing from the sideline that, that were like, oh, we needed to be better here or or we did this really really well our our press was on our possession was good uh but this time it just didn't work out for us yeah i mean if, if you look at the the game over 90 minutes right the amount of time that the ball was in their half you're probably looking at 80 minutes that the ball was in their half of the field for that we had the ball or we were pressing the ball back to the goalkeeper and he was kicking it long. Now, his distribution was good and he was connecting those longer passes. But, um, you know, 90% of that game was played in their half. So we say, OK, we're, we're doing everything right because that's where we want to play the game. We want to play, you know, on their 18-yard box as opposed to our 18-yard box. So we've done everything right in that sense. We've created the chances. You know, like you say, we've we've created chances that I feel like we're good enough to score from, um, especially with the quality we've got in this crew. Um, and I just think that that, you know, that sense of putting the ball in the goal, that's where we just needed to clean it up a little bit. Um, you know, and that happens in football, it happens in football matches and it, it will continue to happen in football matches around the world. But I think we just missed out. You know, the gaffer talks about we've got certain objectives before the game. And I, I don't want to go into too much detail because that's, you know, that's what he says to us uh, in our team talks. But there's there's about five objectives, you know that we need to hit every game. And and most of the time we're, we're in with about three or four of those. And then sometimes when it hasn't gone our way, it's it's just a case of one, you know. And yesterday, maybe that quality of, of just having that composure in front of goal, um, which sometimes you need a bit of luck for as well on, say, a set piece, the ball needs to drop to you and stuff like that. But just having that quality in front of goal, um, I think is probably what, what burned us yesterday. So only one other time. Did we see you completely out of the squad this season? And that was against Tennessee SC when you were suspended. And you mm-hmm. you told me after the Asheville match, you weren't even suspended, you know, for something good, like a hard tackle. You know, uh, it was two yellows against Asheville, the second one for crossing the line yeah. before the game had ended. Yeah. And you said it felt strange walking around, being in the crowd, spending time with your misses instead of being on the pitch. Um, <laughs> you're one of the players uh, that the crowd that the fans have gotten to know the most in fact you were the first player that I spoke to and the first player that I profiled before the season started uh, so help us get in your head a little bit what was it like being out I know we've this or the coaching staff has described uh, Danny Fernandez being like a bull in a cage uh, <laughs> those matches that he had missed and, and he was just like rip-roaring to get out there he absolutely hates to be held back what's it like for you not being on the field particularly as somebody who had kind of uh, gotten out of football a little bit. You were, you know, mm-hmm. into coaching. You had that season with the Des Moines Menace. Had already finished your college career, mm-hmm. and in a way, you get called back in to lead this side in its inaugural season. Um, what was it like for you? What, what goes on in your head? What do you feel in your body and in, in, yeah. on your skin when you're not on the field? I mean, it's pretty uncomfortable for me because, you know, obviously I like to to run that wire, and I've got a lot of energy. And my release is those football matches, you know, it comes out in those football matches because I can get in my zone um, and then it, you know, the fireworks can go off. It's like, bang, okay, here we go. So when you're on the sideline, sometimes you don't get that release. And the amount of times I've been on the sideline and I'll, you know, whether I'm on the bench or 
or or not in the squad and I'm behind the bench, you know, sometimes Gaff will have to say to me, like, Jamesy, you know, like, enough. Come on, like, you know, try and compose yourself. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right. I'll, I'll try my hardest, you know, because for me, like, you talk about the industriousness of, like, the British game. That comes out in me. That's, I see the game as a game of hard work. I don't, I don't see it as a beautiful game. I see it as a, as a horrible game, a game, a tough game, you know, that's, that's about working hard and, and stuff like that. So I maybe see the game slightly differently to a lot of people, especially in this country. But yeah, no, it's, it's never nice to be left out, but um, you know, that's, that's the trust I have in the gaffer. And when I'm not in that squad, I need to be able to do the most that I can do for these boys, because I care about this crew. I care about this club. I care about this coaching staff. I care about the uh, administrative staff. I care about everyone, the fans. Um, it means a lot to me. So I feel a, a sense of responsibility to do as much as I possibly can um, in order to help us perform on the field. And, you know, sometimes the quality and stuff isn't there. I'll have bad games. I'm sure I, I'm going to have bad games for the rest of my career. Um, you know, it, it happens in football, but I need to be able to, to 100% try and do what I'm good at to the best of my ability, um, you know, for these people that are that are going to bat for me pretty much. So, yeah, it's never nice to be on the sideline. Um, and sometimes I have to try and switch on that, that coach's uh, mindset. But it's really hard when you're in a group of players, you're invested and stuff. And I'd have loved nothing more to be on that field. You know, the, the reason I wasn't on the field, it wasn't because I was rested. It was because I've got too many yellows throughout the season. So it was it was actually me. It was my my fault that I wasn't available for selection yesterday, you know, and it wasn't wasn't worth that risk to maybe play and get a yellow card and miss the first playoff game. So, um, you know, it was completely down to me and that was completely my responsibility. And, you know, even this morning, I think to that game and I think I could have had an impact on that game if I hadn't got a couple of silly yellows throughout the, the season. So. There's a learning curve there as well for for me, not only for the lads in the in the 18, in the 11 and stuff. So I'm in that bracket too. So that's why it it really stings for me as well this morning because I'm like, ah, oh, I could have been in that crew. I could have helped those boys, and and I've kind of not only hurt myself but hurt hurt the team a little bit. So which is frustrating for me. But yeah, it's it's never never nice to be in the stands. I I'm not a fan of it. But if I have that trust in the coaching staff and their decisions. To where if they say, look, James, we're not going to go with you for, for today, that's okay. I understand. I understand where you're coming from. You know, hopefully I'm in the next one and hopefully I'm pushing pushing this forward to a win, you know. From a captain's perspective, as someone who is literally among the players every day, that lives among the players, mm-hmm. what do you do now with, with 10 days to prepare for the conference quarterfinal against a yet-to-be-determined opponent? What happens in training? What happens back at the apartments? How are are you leading your team toward what is now the do or die phase of the season? I think it's a case of building it up, you know. So obviously, I talk about talk about the fireworks and it going bang, which it will do, but we can't we can't burst too early because if you burst too early, you can run out of energy, and then come the game, you know, with the nervous energy and the apprehension that that lads are feeling. Sometimes it can go flat, which is not what we want. So what we'll do is we'll kind of build it up slowly, um, you know, through this week. Then there'll be like a rest day, a recovery in there um, that the gaffer will give us just to almost switch off from football a little bit because that's good too. He's a he's a firm believer that sometimes you need to get away from the game for a day or two. 
um, and then we'll come in next week and again we'll start to build it up slowly into the game and then Friday night you know hopefully the fireworks can go off for us so that's kind of how you do it um, build up a couple of rest couple of rest days or one rest day whatever it is build it up again nice and slowly going into the game so yeah and the gaffer has his ways obviously he's been successful in in a lot of post seasons a lot of finals etc so um, he has his certain training um, you know, exercises and training sessions that he'll be doing, um, you know, that I don't don't want to give away because that's his stamp and stuff. But there's certain things we'll do in there that that will enable us to be ready for Friday. And I'm I'm confident we will be. I want to pull back from the East Atlanta match a little bit yeah. and look at the season as a whole. Yeah. We've been through we've been through 14 games. The team tasted victory in eleven, had a draw away, and there were two home defeats to open and close the season. We know that even with all the expectations and the ambition that came with the rollout of the club, the presentation of the gaffer, the the news that the players were becoming particularly nine players from the team that won the national championship last year. Despite all that, this was an entirely new experience. It's a brand new club, a brand new city, a brand new environment. How do you feel the regular season went? Did it live up to expectations? Was there anything that surprised you about this season? Well, I mean, first of all, it, it's got to have been a success because we've won the division. And we've won not only any division, we've won probably one of the toughest divisions in the country. You're probably looking at, that the South Central is maybe in the top three divisions, maybe top two competitive-wise. Um, and I think that's been my biggest surprise is every game has been a fight. Like, teams are coming here. And, you know, that... That happens when a team starts to win games. We talk about the fear factor in this crew, you know, that that there's a there's a fear factor there when you start winning games, but also there's a, a massive target on your back. You know, people want to come here, like East Atlanta yesterday, they've come here and they've credit to them because they've defended for their lives. Like that game meant the absolute world to them. Now, if they go away to other teams in this division that maybe aren't at the top of the table like us, you know, maybe they're not defending with that level of, um, you know, competition and, and hunger and stuff like that. So, but now talking about the regular season, it has been a success because we've won the league. We've won a very competitive division. You know, did we want to go 14 and 0? Yes, you always do. You know, if you're fighting for league titles, you, you want to win every game and you expect to win every game. Does that happen in football? Rarely, very rarely, you know, but we go in with that expectation. So I know that this maybe has taken the gloss off of what what we've done this season, you know, losing and, and ending on a bum note, which it definitely was. I don't think anything can be taken away from, from what we've done in the regular season. Um, you know, we've competed in a division of, of 10 teams. Only one can win it, and we are that one. We've played some tremendous football. We've defended really well. Um, you know, we're defending in a high-pressing system, and we've only conceded, I think, 10 goals in 14 games. Like, that. that's special, you know? That is really special because... When you're high pressing and you're going after the ball, most of the time you're conceding two or three goals, but you're scoring three or four goals, you know? Whereas for us, we've defended so well. And there's, you know, there's been times where it's it's been lacking and the quality hasn't quite been there. That's why we're playing at the USL2 level. You know, if we were getting it right every time, we'd already be in the pros. We're not, you know, we're still playing amateur football ultimately. So I think I would deem it as a success. I hope the gloss isn't taken off of it from what's happened yesterday because you know the effort was there lads were trying you know they were still fighting we just didn't have the quality that I think 
we can show. But it's a tremendous achievement to go and win the win the win the division. But our goal is beyond this. You know, we want to go and win the conference, and then after that, we want to go and win a national title. Is that going to happen? I hope so, and I'm confident that we've got a crew that can do it. Yeah, I think I think moving on from this is is when we you know we really need to show our quality, um, show our trust in the system, our trust in these boys, um, and hopefully go and do something special for this city. It feels like a little bit of deja vu. I spoke to you after the Austin East match, the home opener against Asheville City. Mm-hmm. Everybody had already walked off the field. You're one of the few people that was left on the field. So I approached you, um, you know, asked you some questions, and you talked about the sting, the sting of defeat. How do you respond to the sting? And the way the team responded was by going on a run, an undefeated run, up until last night. Um, So you mentioned that sting earlier. Uh, The response we can imagine, um, or we could hope, is similar Mm -hmm. uh, in in your time with the gaffer with the team. Uh, I'm imagining that you expect the response to also be thumping, uh, potentially a do or die game coming up on the 22nd. But I want to actually go back in time even further. So this time last year, uh, you were captaining the Des Moines Menace into a playoff run. Team was undefeated in the regular season, won Mm -hmm. the Supporter Shield as the best team in the regular season. How does the feeling compare? Does it compare at all? Is the sensation the same um, going into the playoff run this year as it was last year or you know how are how are things different yeah i think it, it's definitely a, a different feeling especially with the the loss yesterday but it's a different feeling because it's a different crew it's a different place we're in it's a different club it's different opponents you know it's a different area of the country everything's different you know so although you're in the the same uh position as we was last year it's a completely different uh feeling um, completely different environment, you know, and, and you have to be able to adapt to that, you know. However, the the, the goal and the job is still the same. Um, and that's where our experiences are hopefully what's going to pull us through. You know, there's there's a massive crew in there, including the coaching staff that have done this before and know what it's going to take. You know, this is a new season, Brian. Like The postseason is completely different to the regular season. The quality of the teams we're going to play the quality of individuals we're going to play, you know, the, the tactical side of the game completely straight, completely changes. The strategical side of the game completely changes. Um, so having, having that ability to readjust and, and, you know, adapt with what's about to come forward is probably the biggest thing that we need to, um, let these guys know, you know, so, um, it's a completely different feeling just because it's a completely different crew. Um, the whole environment is completely changing, but I'm confident in our crew, in our boys, um, in what's going on here, that that we have enough and we have enough leaders in this crew to push forward. And my last question, James, he is mm-hmm. you talked about the fans. I saw uh, the gaffer gave uh, an interview to a local television station a few days ago, and he talked about the fans being the identity of the club. So if you have a message to the fans now as they think about whether they join us, uh, next Friday for the conference quarterfinal. Uh, fans who in some way must be reeling as well this morning uh, at the team's defeat as you start mm-hmm. to forge your identity with the club. As you well know, uh, when when your team loses, your day's a little 
uh, a little dumpier. Your days, you know, you're you feel a little bit wo- more worn down. And when when your team wins, you're on a high. You want to go get you know ice cream after a game. Stay up late watching the highlights. So what's what's um, your message if you can share one with the fans? The fans have been incredible all season. It's without doubt the best atmosphere I've ever played in. Um, consistently, they've come out to support us, to get behind us. Um, And I'm not sure anyone really knows how much that means, not only to me, but to these guys, you know. We go into training in the mornings after games, and we're like, wow, that was quality last night. Like, the atmosphere was electric, you know. Listen, we're going to need everybody um, when it comes to playoffs, Um, not only players, not only coaches, but fans as well, because that can be a 12th man. In these games that can be absolute battles, sometimes you need the fan base behind you to push you on. So, you know, I've probably said it to you before, but when I can't see and I can't hear and I can't breathe and my brain's telling me to stop running, you know, the people shouting on the sideline, come on, Jamesy, let's go. Come on, one more, next one, come on. That's what pushes you forward. Now, we're going to need the fans more than ever. They've been unbelievable all year. Um, And at this point, we don't know how many games we've got left. Um, you know, it could be could be the last game on Friday. So we need as many people there as possible, as much support as we can get. Been tremendous all year, but I'm really calling on the whole of Knoxville to come out and get behind your boys because I'm telling you firsthand, it helps massively for us as players. I have Mark McKeever here, head coach of one Knoxville SC and Mark, obviously, strange way to end the season against East Atlanta. You open the regular season with a, a loss that, at least to, to many of the fans, was unexpected to Asheville. Go undefeated for a dozen fixtures. Then in the final regular season match day, after already claiming the division title with a game to spare, you lose 1-0. Um, obviously, you have extremely high expectations for yourself and for the players and I think uh, a lot of people will say, hey, you can't win them all. And you approach your work as if you really could win them all. So what's what's your take on what went wrong against East Atlanta? Yeah, pretty much the thing that went wrong against Asheville. We never finished our easy chances. There's, there's so many simple chances. And if you, don't, you can't score simple chances, you don't deserve to win the football match. I think in regards to the football and teams, there was yeah everything about the game we were superior at. I don't know, we probably had about 80-85% of the ball. It was extreme. I think uh, maybe, I don't know, I'm guessing here, but maybe 15 shots in goal in the first half. And I don't know, probably the same or more in the second half. It might have been the the most one-sided contest that I've coached in for many, many years. Since I was in college and we used to rack up 15 and 16-0 scorelines, this has been probably the most one-sided USL2 game I've ever been involved in. And uh, our keeper has made no saves. Now, arguably, should have made one for the goal. <laughs> but if you look at it back, I think even the goal's offside. You know, I, I see three penalty kicks that we could have got. Uh, factor, we don't blame that. We never blame the referees. We can't score the goals. It's our fault, um, quite simply. And we had lots of simple, easy chances that went, yeah, haywire. We 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 were not able to execute the simple in front of goal. And you can't coach that. You know, we can go into the training ground 100 days, 365 days a year, but if you can't kick the ball from 
six yards into the goal and hit the target from there unchallenged, you're never going to win football matches. So we played well. We, we, we had a couple of players that were off the boil that didn't play to their potential. But overall, we're the better team. We were never troubled. We spent the second 45 minutes with the ball. Uh, trying to force the issue. I don't know how many corner kicks we had. It's probably well into double figures as well, right? I don't know the stats, but I think every stat there was extreme. One of, Again, one of the most extreme performances I've had of domination and shots and goal. So those ones are sad to walk away with. I think, the, you know, I think we deserved it in terms of play, possession, chances. But again, you don't finish the chances, then you don't deserve it. <laughs> so... Uh, double-sided, uh, double-edged sword, unfortunately. We, we did what we had to do to get the chances, but we didn't finish the chances at the end yet. We're a little bit fortunate with the goal against. I feel as though it was a poor refereeing decision. I think I think it was offside looking at it back. You know, it's, yeah, it is what it is. So you made uh, some changes to the starting 11 that we saw against Southern Soccer, and that's always expected because of the rotation. Um, we saw the Afrifa brothers starting together, and they actually combined a couple of times in the first half. Had some good opportunities. I think Simon had two shots that might have been goals on other days, and they were saved. Yannick Kranz also had a great opportunity to score. So did Zion and Dragic in the first half. Second half, Diego Konings hits a free kick off the crossbar. A couple more opportunities that just that they were unable to convert. How much do you think it's this happens? You see a lot of teams that have won championships that go into their their next match, and something just is off um you know the performance is right i i think i described it as like um raindrops that are just like hitting on a surface and you're just waiting it to break mm-hmm. through that surface and it, it just, they just don't how much of it do you think may have been due to other factors or do you think it was just you know the luck of the draw it just didn't go your way last night yeah i mean i, I suppose you could fill it apart uh fill it apart a little bit and dissect it a little bit but at the end of the day whoever's on there created the chances we just didn't score them you know so yeah, I mean, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, if you can't score the goals, and Yannick scored goals, and Stevens are leading goal scorer, and Zion has scored game winners and incredible goals. You know, so, uh, Simon scored. You know, we have players on there that have scored goals. Buster scored goals. Danny Fernandez scored goals. So there was a lot of players on there that could score the goals, but we didn't, you know. So, you know, I don't think you have to look too much into team selection other than the individuals that had the chances have to do better with the chances, quite simply. I mean, that's that's what it boils down to. You know, you, you can look at what does a team selection do if you change it? Does it take you from 85% to 90%? <laughs> does it give you an extra three chances to miss? I think we could have uh, played there for four hours and uh, it seemed to be East Atlanta's night. You know, again, fair place to them. They celebrated like it's a cup final. And, you know, if that's the epitome of their season, maybe uh, maybe that's been their issue all along, you know? Uh, it looked like some of the players had a brutal time by, by game's end. Uh, you know, we had that two and a half hour break. I was sitting in the car with Sam Weisbrod when I saw the players running back toward the field to get on quick warm up, very dominant second half, as you mentioned, the ball wouldn't go in. I spoke with Jamesy this morning and he said that him and Danny the Bull had already had a cup of tea in the morning and spoken about how disappointed they were about how things went. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if it weren't this team, if it weren't this club that's fighting to be among the best in the country that will move up into the professional ranks, you could imagine the message being don't be so hard on yourselves we'll get them next time it happens to everybody but that wasn't exactly your message last night to the players what did you 
communicate to them? You know, what did you say to the players last night or since since the games ended about how things went and then um, how you can right the path, get back on course uh, come playoff time? Yeah, I think a lot of these young men are using this uh, this platform um, as something uh, to go into the MLS or the USL Championship. And the message is stop being silly with your unrealistic expectations. You know, stop projecting yourself to being an MLS player when you can't do it in the USL too, which is four levels below. So I think a little bit of reality uh, is probably what the message was. Um, the message beforehand was appreciating the opportunity, appreciating the, the chance to go and, and really give everything, uh, which is my expectation every time we step out onto the training ground, every time we step out onto the field for a game. And I feel as though there were four or five lads that, that didn't really show that appreciation. Now, there was obviously cases where Bryson had his first start, you know, great. We expect them to have a little bit of a lull uh, in regards to comparing them to other players and the, the sharpness and the energy levels and the fitness. So, we expected that. And then with Simon, obviously the same thing. You know, he's not had the same amount of game time as some of the other lads. So you expect a little bit of, yeah, a little bit of lacking in sharpness, game sharpness, maybe game decisions. We had enough tools there to win. And we, we, you see that with the stats that we racked up. You know, the, the message is that you never take these moments for granted. Every game is a, a chance to get better as an individual and get better as a group. The disappointing thing for me was, you know, how many how many fans showed up for uh, for their to show their support to to get a spectacle, and we let them down. You know, we let a lot of people down that that, that banked on us, that put their cards on the table for us, um, that are supporting us through you know the thick, the thin, the uh, the wins, the losses, and and I know they'll come back out in their droves, and you know I'm just yeah I leave there disappointed, especially in the first half when we come off at one nothing, because the message to them was that there might only be 45 minutes of football. Don't waste it. Play it like it's your last. We told them about the storm coming in before the game to go and control those factors. So we didn't control the factors because we didn't put the ball in the back of the net. Ultimately, that's been a problem all season long. Anytime there have been issues, the amount of opportunities that we're scoring uh, versus the opportunities that we're creating, the percentage there isn't high enough. Hopefully that comes. <laughs> okay, so you already mentioned uh, Bryson Hankins getting his first start of the season, which uh, a lot of fans were excited about. I know he's been with the team for quite a while and had some illness, some injury. Uh, mm -hmm. We also saw in the second half Craig McCall come off the bench, and it was only his second appearance of the season, a player who uh, I spoke with Jamesy about the, the British industriousness and that mentality that you need to have, that hard work mentality you mentioned. And I saw Craig go into some tackles that were on the sideline. I, I kind of stepped back and cringed a little because it horrified me. And you know he was fearless in the tackle. You saw yeah. Pablo, Pablo Ortiz Hernandez, a, a newer player, um, get his first time. Leo Santos on the bench, uh, which was very exciting for, for local fans because he's a local product out of the Emerald Force. Did you see... Any bright spots, things that you look back on and say, well, this worked well. This is encouraging for me. This player did perform perform well, and, and we can take some good from this from this loss. Lots. I mean, we were the better team. <laughs> we were the better. We were the better team in the, in every aspect, apart from the 
the goals for and the goals against, which is ultimately the the one that counts at the end of the game. You know, I think uh, obviously Buster's been missing through injury, um, so we were easing him back in. Getting him back into the mix was was big, but it, the big man didn't have a great game, and by his standards, he was way below average. Um, and he'll be the first to step up and say, "Listen, I wasn't good enough." You know, Moses was way below his standard as well. We know, I know. The, the heights that that kid uh, can reach and he should be the best player every time he walks out onto the field and he was yeah he was a bit yeah weak link yesterday with his decision making um you know but maybe it's just a wee a wee lapse uh you know I put my trust in Moses and and Buster to be the best performers on the field the next time they step out because they're good enough and those two kids will be in the pros and all they'll be in the pros is just the case of which pro level they make it to. You know, uh, Seth getting hurt was a little bit of a, yeah, it was a little bit of a thorn in the side. Um, we had to make a change that we hadn't planned for. It used up one of our substitutes. Uh, we brought in big Yannick and then we Sam Fletcher, who's been fantastic. Again, probably didn't peak, but again, was good enough to still dominate against East Atlanta. And I can only imagine if that, you know, I feel as though we, we probably should have been four or five goals up in 15 minutes, Brian. I really believe that. That's incredible. You know, it's hard to create that. Um, so that's a special moment. And we're set up to, to score and then go on and win the game. One of those goes in and, you know, we could be looking at double figures. We could be looking at the biggest result in, in the programme's history. Unless we're looking at, you know, a wee bit of negative history in the programme's history. <laughs> so, uh, which is, is football. It's why we love it and hate it, you know. But there's lots of positives there. We were clearly the better side. There was clearly a gulf. I mean, I, I felt as though anybody looking at that game would have saw um, a quality team versus almost look like a youth team, like a U16 team that were set up. It's up to us to try and break that down. And, and we tried and we failed. And, you know, we failed in the, just the final part. Everything up to that was good. I mean, we talk about the three things, the golden tickets to win the football match. And uh, the first one is personal battles. Are we physical enough to get the ball? Um, are we winning the mental battles for the second ball? So the physical and the mental battles were, I feel as though if we look at a percentage, we're probably in the 70 percentile. Great. That's a good percentile. I look at the unit and uh, being connected uh, from back to front through every flow of the game, um, right to left, left to right. And there was a little bit of disconnection, obviously, with, with Simon and then Bryson. And we talked them through it and we coached them through it. And the connections overall, I would say I was probably in the 70th percentile, happy again. Three quarters of it was really good. So, again, a really good percentage. And then the last golden ticket is the, is the quality at both ends of the field. Ugh, the final golden ticket. And we just failed with that. We uh we had a moment where we conceded a goal and it was just a moment, just a second. The thin margins between winning and losing come down to one second, one lapse, one second ball, and then the 900 chances that we couldn't provide <laughs> an end product to. So, but uh, listen, this is a great team. Um, I'm still upset with the guys today. Tomorrow, when the sun comes up, I'll get back to loving them, but today I'm going to uh, I'm going to spit the dummy and sulk a little bit because I don't like losing. I never have done. I never will do. But can it be a positive, Brian? If a slap in the face is something that wakens you up to be better, we'll take it. But hopefully, it is something that's going to fuel the fire 
as opposed to put us back the way. That can also happen. But knowing this group of guys, I have every confidence going into playoffs with this group. They are a tight-knit group. Uh, I feel as though that uh, we're all hurting today. We're all hurting today. So it's a game that we should have won. It's a game that we were better than our opponents. And it's a game where we didn't come out with three points. So, you know, we're hurting. That's okay. Part of life. So can you provide any insight to how you prepare now over the next nine days for that first playoff game? And by the time this uh, episode is published, the news will be public that those games are going to take place here at home at West High School Stadium, which is a venue that we've not seen soccer at. Knoxville fans have seen a lot a lot of soccer at West High School. That's where we host our annual high school jamborees, club jamborees. And so it's a popular soccer venue in the city. One Knoxville will debut there. Um, first game, conference quarterfinal. Don't know who the opponent will be yet. Um, how do you prepare over this next week? I know that the players got rest today, um, the day after. Uh, I know that there's a secret formula um, that I'm sure you're not going to give away, but um, how, how do you go into this next week and a half? Yeah, no, I don't mind sharing. I, I think resetting the mind and the body for, for a, a new type of challenge because, you know, obviously I think our toughest opponent this year probably, yeah, between Asheville and uh, Tormenta, those two, those two teams are great. And I think as you go into playoffs, you don't get to play against uh, uh, an Asheville followed by a weaker week at East Atlanta side. You know, you, everybody in the playoffs is going to be at a high, high level. So um, you're not going to have 80% of the ball and 25 shots and goal like we did against East Atlanta. We're going to have minimal shots and goal, minimal chances where we have to take them and we have to be squeaky clean at the back. So it's a it's a different ball game when you go into playoffs. It's, it's almost like... Uh, yeah, you go into you go into playing. I think they call it checkers or drafts over here. Where it's fast and furious versus maybe a little bit more of a chess match, where it's more sophisticated, it's more planned out. You know, you have a little bit more triggers of uh, when to go, when to sit in, etc. But the game plan over the next period is obviously, you know, everything we do is 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 an increase to a decline uh, and getting the increase and the decline into the preparation for the game and getting the body ready is obviously the key ingredient to, to our success, I feel. So it will look like uh, Thursday will be a little bit of recovery to get the muscles back moving again, stretched out. Hopefully everybody's feeling well. And then, you know, we want a wee bit of fun back in a, back in the training, a wee bit of competition, you know, uh, winning and losing and, and changing teams and winning and losing again and changing teams and winning and losing again and changing teams. So that mindset of when you go a goal behind, you've already been doing it every day in training. Or when you're two goals ahead, you know that anybody can catch you because it's already been done in training. So so Thursday and Friday will be set up like that. Thursday will be more of an introduction, a recovery, a, a regen session. And then Friday will be, we're going to max it out and have a real solid, hard session to where hopefully we put the bodies together a little bit sore. And then Saturday and Sunday is going to be clear the head clear their body, clear their mind, you know, do what they have to do to reset and get back onto a schedule that's going to take us from Monday straight through to Sunday. Again, there'll be a, a little bit of a, a regen, uh, competitiveness, contact, and then we start to decline the contact as we get closer to the game to keep our players free from injury, etc. Obviously, we have a preparation session right before the, the game day, and then we do our game day ritual. We will have a gap here uh, for a little while, which will be great for the for the players and for the team to, like you said, uh, reset. But it's also a great opportunity to look back and reflect on what's been 
so far. 14 games in, one regular season complete, division championship, 11 wins, one one draw, two losses. Uh, you've coached a lot of years. You've coached uh, at three USL2 clubs now. You've coached college soccer for many years, top programs. How do you feel this regular season went? Yeah, for the first ever season for the club, it's been special. Um, in terms of me personally, then I've lost more games in this season than I lost in the last two regular seasons put together. So uh, it's there's a number of reasons for that as well, uh, Brian. I feel as though that this conference or this division, I should say, is more competitive than where I was for the last two years. So um, it's been a little bit harder. So if you look at it in that aspect, maybe it's more successful. I think the results percentage, winning percentage, maybe not successful. But I feel as though in terms of the growth of the group, very, very successful. So, you know, there's there's good and bad. Uh, you know, depends which way you want to look at it. You know, I don't look at it personally and, okay, I've, I lost this amount of games, lost it. I'm looking at a team. How does this team compare to other teams? They're as good as any team that I've had, you know, and I think there's a little bit more character in there, you know, a, a little bit more uh, continuity than I've seen with previous teams, which can be a vital component in playoffs. And I think, again, maybe a wee slap in the face helps this team because we're all hurting right now. Our feelings are hurting, and hopefully that serves as a motivation to go and to go into the next fight and battle together a wee bit harder and a wee bit more together. That concludes our last regular season match recap. But don't worry, we'll be at playoffs and potting along the way. Grab your tickets to those playoff dates at OneKnoxvilleSC.com. Be sure to order your very own Hellbender SC shirt, first link in the show notes. Follow along at KnoxHockerPodcast.com on Twitter and on Instagram, where we're having a t-shirt giveaway. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts telling us where you're listening from and what you enjoy about the pod. Thanks so much for pressing play, and we'll see you at West on Friday the 22nd. It's your time, Patrick. (laughs) No!